Amen. All right, thank you for that. Uh, Brother James is going to preach now, and let's give him a good hearing. And, uh, you know, we're going to use our new fellowship hall again, new kitchen. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, understanding the true purpose of fellowship. Amen. Amen. All right. It's been good so far. It's been really good. You know, I, uh, I like Evelyn's voice. It's so unique. You're not going to get that anywhere but Garnerfield Road Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. Just remember that. <clears throat> it was really good. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. I was thinking that it's good to be here today with the greatest people I know. Colossians chapter 1. So we're going to look at something. I sang uh, Amazing Grace for a reason this morning because we're just going to speak about grace uh, for the beginning of this. And so turn to Colossians 1. And what we're going to do is read verses 3 through 6 and then turn to another passage. So please stand with me as we read Colossians 1, verse 3 through 6. In verse 3, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it also in you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. There it is, that last line. You knew the grace of God in truth. The people of Colossae, Paul did not start this church, but, it was one, but he had a huge impact on it and he had heard about their faith. He had heard about how much they, how readily they received and he tells them, you knew the grace of God. You understood the grace of God. You lived in the grace of God. And sad to say, most of Christendom has no idea what the grace of God is. And it's one of the most important and used verses or words in the Christian language. What we say, we always use the term grace. So they're ignorant of grace, so they set out to establish their own beliefs in their own way to find their way because they're ignorant of the word grace. And some go without understanding their whole life. Go to church their whole life and don't understand grace. Please turn over to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to look at this problem today. Hope to help remedy it for some. What is grace? What does it mean to be saved by grace? Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Let's read these responsibly also. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let's pray. Father, as we 
Look at grace. Help us to understand. We pray that You'd open our understanding and our eyes and may Thy will be done. Pray for the Holy Spirit on each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You can be seated. Paul writes to them and he says, I marvel at you. I can't believe what I've heard. He said, to me, makes no sense whatsoever. How could anyone leave grace? That's what he said. He said, I came to you, I taught you the grace, the truth of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the gospel of the grace of God, which Paul called my gospel. This is the one God gave to me and I passed it on to you. I taught it to you. And I'm so surprised. He said, it's more than surprised. I'm perplexed. How could anyone who hears of grace leave it, forsake it, remove themselves from it, and try to go another way? You know, Paul says, I can't understand this. He says, I'm afraid of you. I just don't get it. He says, I feel like I've spent much effort in vain because something horrible has happened. I have taught you the way of truth, yet you removed yourself from grace, which means you removed yourself from Jesus Christ Himself. I taught you freely the gospel of the grace of God. You said you wanted it. You said you believed it. You said you understood it. The difference between the Galatians and the Colossians was the Galatians believed it, received it, and understood it, and lived by it. The Galatians got perverted after Paul left. He said, you soon, so soon removed from the gospel to listen to another. And I ask again, anyone, how could anyone leave grace? How could anyone remove themselves from grace and leave Jesus Christ? You say, we didn't leave Jesus Christ. Yes, you did, because if you leave grace, you left Jesus Christ. Because Jesus brought grace. Only grace comes through Him. Paul explained to them, he said, I taught you the gospel truth. We hear that term a lot, the gospel truth, right? This is the gospel truth. Well, Paul said, I gave you the gospel truth. He said, I didn't hear this from a man. Peter did not teach me this. I got this straight from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself through direct revelation. He came to me and taught me the gospel, the way it should be preached so that men could get born again and be saved. Direct revelation from heaven. He said, I brought it straight to you and you said you wanted it. You said you believed it. Then people came in and perverted you by teaching another way. He said, they taught you a different gospel, which is not another because there's only one. There's only one true gospel. And Paul said, this is it. Why leave the truth for anything lesser? Why would you walk away from the genuine article, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, for any other religion? Once you understand. Why would you do these things? Makes no sense. It's very troubling because Paul said, anybody who preaches any gospel that I gave to you, let them be accursed. He said, anybody, if an angel came to you and preached it, Something different than what I gave you. Let them be accursed and burn in hell forever and ever. That's how important it is to maintain. Jude told us to contend for the faith. We're to fight for this because no man can get saved outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No man. They perverted 
the gospel. You know, if you went down with your car and you put premium unleaded gas, the best you could find in there, it'd probably run pretty good. It's supposed to. It would run the way it's supposed to run. But you said, you know what? I feel like uh, sweet today. I'm going to put some sugar in there too. I feel, sugar's good. I put a little sugar in there. Yeah, you know, a little salt. Oh, oil's real good for vehicles. I'm going to pour a few quarts of oil in there to, in the gas tank. Hey, vitamins are good. I'm going to put some vitamins in the gas tank for my car. What's going to happen? You're going to pervert that engine. It's not going to run for you. It's not going to work. You got away from the purity of the unleaded gas, the premium unleaded gas. You got away from that which works. And Paul's telling it. These seducers came in after I left and they taught you a way that is not the gospel truth. I love this. Look at verse 10. He says, For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you. I love this. Certified. Brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Paul says, my gospel is authentic. It's true. With me, with my, Paul says, with my gospel, you get a, certify, a certification that it's real and that you own it. You get that with no other gospel, religion, or teaching on the face of the earth. You cannot have it any other way. He says, you have the real item. Top grade, you're complete. You graduated. You're saved. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is grace? You know, I've never heard what I think is a true definition of grace in my life that, that dissatisfies. Because the reason is, it's heavenly. Grace is so great because grace is of God. God's the God of all grace. It's so hard to put a finger on and to nail down an exact definition for the word grace. I know that all grace is of God. I know that all grace of God is directed toward men. I know that all grace seems to be appropriated only on this earth. And it seems largely for the church age in which we dwell in. God deals with His people through grace right now. It doesn't go through law. The law of Moses is not what we live under. We live under the grace of God. Now what is grace? Is it unmerited favor? Yes, but that does no justice to it. Sure, God has favor on those that don't deserve it. Is it the divine influence on our hearts? Sure it is. God works in your heart and he, it's, a, it's an influence on you. Is it the love and mercy given to us by God because He desires us to have it and it's not because of anything we did to deserve it or earn it? Those things are very true. Is it God's working in behalf and through His people to fulfill His will? I believe that's probably a good definition. Grace is God working. We always look at grace as free, don't we? Grace is God working. And what's He doing? In behalf of His people, through His people, and for His people to fulfill His will in them. That's grace. So anything God does for you is grace. Anything God does through you is grace. Anything God does to you is grace. Now, Concerning the grace of God, or the gospel of the grace of God, which was what made Paul so upset, 
uh, and perplexed. I want to say some things. Notice this. Grace is a gift to us. Free gift. But it cost God everything. It was a work of God. Amen. Free to us. So it's vital to understand this. Because if you get this, you understand grace. Grace, is, the gospel, the grace of God is the working of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me say this. All men have an innate problem, without exception, sin. All of us. Right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that is exempt. We are all sinners. All men, left to themselves, have a certain destiny, without exception, death and hell. If you're left to yourself, to do it on your own, to achieve it on your own, to get it on your own, death and hell is all your destiny will be. No exceptions. All men have this pressing need of salvation. All need to be saved. No exceptions. Amen. So what happens is man forms all these different false religions to attain, to obtain, to, you know, you think about this, to overcome himself because we're all made sinners. Think about that. Man, all every religion on earth is man trying to elevate himself to get to a point to where he arrives. Yeah. Right? Yep. Some men try very hard to be religious, pleasing God. They give it all they have to please Him and to appease His anger and to pay for their sin. Other men take it very lightly. They don't put forth any effort to better themselves or to save themselves. And some people claim pure ignorance. But deep down they know, I'm undone, I'm lost, I need something here. I'm, I'm lacking. I cannot get it on my own. No matter how hard I try, I cannot have it or get it on my own. Every man knows deep down in their heart there's a recompense coming to them and they have to deal with it that the wages of sin is death and the penalty will be exacted and the debts will be owed. Now, uh, all false religion is men trying to attempt to rise out of his sinful nature. It cannot be done. You can't better yourself and get out of your sinful nature. You can't do it. You know why? You were born wrong. They were born in sin. They were born with a, with a fallen nature that came all the way back from our forefather Adam when he sinned. All men are born sinners. Listen to this. You're a sinner. It's impossible to unbecome a sinner. It's impossible to say, I won't be one anymore. It's impossible to change your nature. You cannot do so. It's impossible to reverse the curse of sin that was brought on you. You, you inherited it when you were born, but you brought on it through volition of, sin, of your own life and choosing to sin. So because of sin, we're all under the curse of death, the Bible teaches. We're all under the curse of the law. And the Bible says that we are under that curse and we are condemned without God, without hope, without God in the world. So God gave us His perfect law, the Bible, uh, indicated by the Ten Commandments. He gives us these perfect laws to live by. And we have these laws, and guess what? Every man, would, if they're honest, would respond and say, I can't do that. I can't fulfill that. 
I can't live that. I can't make that. I cannot live a perfect life like God wants me to be. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man that's honest would say, I've fallen short. I am short. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. What do I need? I need help from somewhere that's not on this earth because you're not getting it anywhere on this earth. And so that being noted and realized and acknowledged that salvation can't be obtained, it can't be bought, you can't earn it, you can't work your way through it. It's not a process to come through and achieve. It can't negotiate it. There's no negotiations to be done. Salvation can't be owned by one person on this earth outside of one thing. Heaven has to, heaven has to remedy the problem because nothing on earth is going to remedy the problem. Salvation's got to come from some place outside of this place. I can tell you that. And so God, loving man, sent forth His Son, right? It says He was made under the law. He lived under the law. And Jesus came to save us from our fallen state. Now, let me say this. This is interesting. God sent His Son in the fullness of time. You think about that. It was the perfect timing when Jesus came. And He had a task to complete. He had to become a man first, according to Hebrews chapter 2. He had to be like men and take on the flesh of men. He had to fulfill every law of God, every law, to the jot, to the tittle, without a flaw, without a mistake. He overcame temptation from sin, such as we are, yet without sin. He overcame the tempter. The tempter did not get him. He beat Satan at his own game. He obeyed the Father in all things. Now Jesus was proven as a man to be perfect and pure in mind, body, soul, and spirit. Pure. But when John the Baptist saw Him walking along the banks of the Jordan River, he said, there is the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, Amen. the only Lamb of God that can take away the sins of the earth. So Jesus offers Himself as this spotless Lamb of God, suffered at the hands of sinful men, according to the Scriptures, nailed to a cross and died, according to the Scriptures, became that curse for us. He took it on Himself. He became a curse that was your curse. He took death, which was your death. He took sin, which was your sin. He took the guilt, which was your guilt. He took that upon Himself and He suffered on the cross, and He died becoming a curse for us. Paid the sin debt. Amen. Paid the sin debt for all. Suffered the very wrath of God to do it on His own beloved Son. After that, He died, gave up the ghost. He was buried. He put in the ground for three days and three nights according to the Scriptures. Rose from the dead according to the Scriptures it says... And what did He do? He come up out of the grave. He defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. Amen. And when He rose from the dead victorious, after 40 days, He ascended up on high and He went back to heaven. And now the Bible says He's there now to uh, make intercession for the saints. And He ever liveth to do so to save us to the uttermost. Amen. Now, now He waits and He's watching 
as God's people obey the Great Commission and go out and preach this Gospel that Paul gave and said it's the only true Gospel that works. Right. It's the only one there is. He said you preach another Gospel, but it's not another. So don't you see, salvation wasn't begun at Calvary. Jesus did not initiate redemption and then you go out and finish it yourself. No, He accomplished it already. He already finished the work. Jesus did not begin a good work and now we have to go out and complete what He did. Jesus did not come to help us. He came to save us. Big difference. Do you realize this? Saved. How am I saved? You know, a preacher asked every, every Sunday, do you know for sure you're saved? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you know for sure? Yeah, I'm saved. How would you get saved? By Jesus Christ. Jesus. By the Lord Jesus Christ, by believing on Him for my salvation. We are saved by grace, the Bible teaches. Saved by grace through faith. So it's not, of, it's not of works. It's a gift of God. Think about this. It's not of works because He already did all the work. Amen. This is grace. We're going to heaven on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not ours. Right. Not ours. Your work's tainted anyway. Why would you even attempt? That's what Paul's saying to him. Why would you even leave Jesus' work to try to fulfill your own? When you know it's impossible, no matters not what religion. So we're saved by His work and not ours. This is salvation. Jesus accomplished redemption for us. He wrought it. I love that word, uh, Ephesians 1. He wrought our salvation. It was a work He did. Are you going to believe that Jesus did it and saved you through all that He did and all that He is? Or are you going to have to figure there's some other way of your, on your own which is not another? There is no more. So, think about this. It's not of works. It's of grace. It's not of faith plus works where I believe. Yes, I believe all that, but I work too. No, no. You're throwing the sugar in the tank. You're, you're perverting the Gospel. God doesn't need you to save you. God doesn't need us to redeem us. He sent His Son for that purpose. It's not faith plus a few works, like a couple of little ones, like baptism, like some people think, that if I get in that water tub back there, I'm going to be saved. No! It's the Gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. I put my faith in that. I believe on Him. Nothing from man. Nothing. Nothing by man. Not one thing. Not one church. Not one sacrament. Not one work you can do. Doesn't cost you one cent of money. It cost him already his life's blood. No endowment. No gift. No baptism. Salvation is fully of the Lord. I love that. He redeemed us with his own blood. This is grace. This is grace. Believing in His work through His Son. That is what grace is. Resting in His redemption. That is grace. Listen a minute. Jesus came, offered Himself, did the work for redemption. 
He did the work to make salvation possible. You put your faith in Christ and, and trust that in Him. You shall be saved. So Jesus does the work to make salvation possible. Then Jesus does the work in getting you saved. Because if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And He goes further than that. Jesus does the work in keeping you saved for the rest of your life and forever and ever. It's all about Him. It's the saving, keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is grace. You know, it's marvelous. That's why Paul's saying, I taught you this. I taught you this. How could you revert back to the law of Moses? How could you revert back to works? How could you go back to some strange, false, barbarian religion that you were taught, you Galatian people? How could you do such a thing when I taught you the very perfect gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus paid it all. And guess what? Paid in full. Amen. Paid in full. If you'll trust Him in Him alone, you shall be saved. Now this is the thing. You've got to appropriate this. The only thing you do is you have to appropriate it for yourself by personal belief and trust. You must believe this is true for you and receive this gift of grace for yourself. You must do this. Put aside all works, all anything, any pride on your part. What can you do anyway? Put full faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And believe on Him. And claim Him for your own. And make Him yours. And it is a gift. Turn from sin. Turn from your way. Turn to Him who is the only way. Jesus is the way. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation is yours. Now this is what grace is. Now I want you to think about this for the rest of the day. How could anybody live that if you understand it? That's what I'm, If you get a grasp of what I just said, and I didn't give it any justice whatsoever, but if you get a grasp of who, what Jesus did for you, how could you forsake that? How could you reject it? How could you not say... That's what I want. I've needed that since birth. I want to be saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul marveled. He goes, I can't understand this. I mean, how could you do such a thing when grace is all you need and all you need is Jesus Christ? So let me ask you here, we'll be done. What's your certificate? Do you have one? Paul said, I certify you, brethren. I got it right here. I got Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. No man can take that from me. Romans 8 says that nobody can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can be done. I am my Lord's and He is mine. I am certified saved. I'm on my way to heaven. You say, that sure is proud. It's all boasting in Him. It's all boasting in Him. All glory and boasting goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every person that finds their way up to the heaven into the pearly gates and around His throne, we're going to all look at one another and know the only reason I'm here is the same reason you're here. It's because of Him. It's the grace of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved this morning? And do you have that proof? Now, as we conclude... Don't fail of His grace. You know, Paul, he even told the Galatians, you fell from grace by doing what you did. By rejecting it and going your own way, you fell from the only thing that could save you. 
Don't fail of the grace of God. Don't fall from the grace of God. Get Jesus as your Savior and hold on to Him. Let's bow our heads.